So welcome to week one of life, money, hope. So just so I know who I'm talking to, if you're in the room and money has ever caused you a problem, just wave your hand at me. Just one hand is fine. Hey, hey, turn to somebody and say, there's hope. Turn to somebody who was your second choice and say, God's way works. Because it does, by the way. It does. God's way works. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about your money and my money. And those are both very elusive terms. We'll talk about that more. So let me tell you what you're going to hear over the next four weeks. You're going to hear a conglomeration of some principles that people have spoken into my life over the last 30 years, maybe. So you're going to hear some stuff maybe that sounds like Dave Ramsey or some stuff that sounds like Larry Burkett or Chris Hodges or Dwayne Life. So here's... so. If I say something and you say, I think Dave Ramsey said that, he probably did. But stay with me, okay? Um, th- this is a, actually, the next four weeks are going to be just a boatload of stuff that people have spoken into my life. And now, l- l- listen to me. Anybody, the devil don't want to hear y'all to hear this. <laughs> One, two. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. There we go. So, um, here's the, it's not like the whole world could be watching this right now or anything. Here's what I want you to know. A generous church is full of generous people. And I'm talking to a generous church this morning. Can, can, I, can I give you an example? Um, everybody, you can't do this online, but everybody turn around and look at those bins back there. Those bins back there represent you hearing a Facebook message or getting a text message about a family in need and going, okay, I can help. I can't do a lot, but I can buy some towels. You with me? So a, a generous church does generous things. A generous church is full of generous people. But here's what I know about you. There, You are now, or you have been at some point in your life in a place where you would say, I, I'd love to be generous, but my circumstances, my income, my expenses, the, just living life makes it difficult for me to do what I'd really like to do. In fact, maybe it goes beyond that to a place of hopelessness. I don't want you to raise your hand, but some of you in this room have been in a hopeless financial situation maybe you're there now and i'm going to tell you there's hope and i'm i'm not telling you that because i read it in a book i'm not telling you that because i i I, you know I, i heard somebody else say it i'm telling you this because your pastor and his wife lived through this stuff and so here's here's what i want you to do if you're 30 or under, wave at me. I, I would have loved for somebody to do for me what I'm going to do for you today. And if you'll, if you'll latch on to some of this, it'll change your life. It may change your family tree. 
It's a big deal. So here's what I want you to do. If, if you're 20, if you're 30, if you're 90, I want you to lean in with me this morning, okay? Because i got to go fast, all right? So you're going to have to pay attention. We're going to go. You're going to feel like you're drinking out of a, you know, a, a fire hose. But here we go. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 6. I love this passage. Listen. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Does it say rich people fall into temptation? It's not what it says. It says those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. What Paul's telling Timothy is that if that's your desire, if that's your goal, is, is worldly wealth, then you're going down a bad path. Would you, if you would agree with that, just... If you, if you know that to be true, okay, you might want to be careful. <laughs> For the love of money, oh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Here we go. For the love of money, is money the root of all evil? No, it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Now listen to what he says. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. Paul's saying, listen, there are people in the church that have got their eyes so focused on these desires and these cravings that they've wandered away from God and pierced themselves with many pangs. They've caused themselves a lot of problems. Look at my eyes. I don't want that for you. That's why I'm doing this today. And those of you that have been around LifePoint a long time will know I used to hate this. I used to hate to talk about money because I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the guy that just beat people up about offerings and tithes all the time. And God convicted me because, listen to me, if, if you'll pay attention over these next four weeks, this can change your world. All right. Jesus said this way in Luke chapter 12, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus, and you've heard that, that passage over and over and over again, but here's what Jesus was saying. is That thing that's most important to you, those, those possessions, those people, those relationships that are the most important to you, your heart's going to follow those. I heard somebody say it like this. We talked about it a couple Wednesday nights ago. You steer where you stare. What you focus on, it doesn't matter what you say with your words that you, is important to you. What you focus your life, what you focus your energy, what you focus your resources on is where you're going to steer. Right? So I, I got I to take just a couple minutes and talk to you about my financial past. Okay, first of all, I was raised by two of the most incredible human beings that have ever uh, walked this planet. My mom and dad were incredible, incredible people. My sister is watching as we speak, and she would say amen. She probably is, but you can't hear her. <coughs> the two most incredible people, but they were very, very different. My dad, financially, was very astute. So much this way. Now, I have to understand, uh, this was before Google and Expedia. So we would go to vacation, and my dad would ride up and down the strip of Daytona Beach, Florida, checking the rates of every hotel on the strip. And, and I'm like, for the love of all that is holy, I can see the water. <laughs> Since he passed last March, I've gotten an opportunity to peek behind his financial curtain a little bit and just to see how, how astute he was. My mom, 
incredible human being, not so financially astute. In fact, by the time I'm 11, 12, 13, my brother is 10 years older than me. My sister is seven years older than me, so I was her only project. <laughs> my mom worked at uh, a, a Winn-Dixie delicatessen. She was a, a deli manager and made a good income, and I'm, and I'm convinced she didn't have to work, but she did it to support her Dwayne habit. And so my dad would, would give me an allowance every week. My dad would give me an allowance every week, and, uh, but he expected something out of it. I kept the yard cut and, you know, the swept the driveway off and do, you know, whatever, those little things. And, uh, but mom, however, <laughs> baby, here's you $20. <laughs> and so I, I figured something out. I could pocket dad's allowance, save it, and if I needed something, go to mom. It was a brilliant plan. <laughs> then Don and I got married, and I realized that is not how the world works. We got married very young, and I remember, it was, I was joking, but I remember calling my dad and saying, Dad, I, I need, I need uh, to know where you bought your refrigerator. And he said, Son, I've, I've been in your, your new place. You've, you've got a refrigerator. I said, But there's no food in it. And of course, I was, you know, poking fun, but we had a wide awakening prepared for us when we walked down the aisle. Um, I remember at that point in my life, I made $180 a week before taxes. Um, yes. <laughs> and and I, went, I went to the, uh, to the to Kmart and bought garbage cans and garbage bags for our 14 by 65 Love Shack on wheels, baby. Come on, somebody. I felt that. <coughs> bought, uh, I, like it's the first time I've embarrassed my children. So I bought, I bought, uh, I, I bought garbage cans and garbage bags to go into this, into this new home, and it, it cost like $45, and I thought, we're going to starve. <laughs> we are going to starve. Uh, we made some very poor decisions early on in our marriage when it comes to credit card debt and, and getting those lovely pre-approved offers in the mail, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and then over a period of time, I learned some principles. I learned some financial principles and I learned some spiritual principles that changed our life. And frankly, and I think I can say this with conviction, it changed our family tree because my children aren't making some of the same horrible mistakes that I made. Um, so I'm going to talk to you very quickly about five inside-the-box financial strategies that if you were to sit down and, and we're going to go we're going to do uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University again in a, in a little while and if you were to sit you're going to hear all five of these if you were to sit down with an independent financial planner they're going to give you these five things okay and so these five things are what we're going to call inside the box everybody say inside the box the first one is earning uh, you can't manage money if you're not making some money right right so um, let me say this is get a job that's, that's the first thing. I don't understand 
you know, 30-year-olds playing Xbox in their parents' basement, so you know, I don't understand that, but <laughs> get a job. Get, get a job. And if you're not making enough money, get another job. That's what they're going to tell you, right? And, and, and here's, I'm, I'm, let, me, let me drop a little work ethic thought on you right here. W-O-R-K is not a radio station. <laughs> you, you with me? It's you got to earn a living. You got to earn a living, right? So we, we check that box. All right, you, Dwayne, I got a job. I got a job. I'm working hard, making a living. Check that box. Well, the next thing they're going to talk to you about is spending. And some of you are doing a great job at that. <laughs> right? In, in fact, so much so, um, I, I, I read that uh, 90% of Americans don't have a budget. 90% of Americans don't have a budget. And, and let, me t let me tell you how you can know if that's you. If you've ever said, I just don't know where it all goes. I just don't know where it all goes. And, and so here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. My wife and I live very modestly, but, but listen, I know where every nickel goes. I know where it goes. In fact, there's a, there's a psalm that says, know well the condition of your herd. Now, how many know in, in Bible times, the herd was your money? You, you ought to know where your money's going, all right? So, all right, well, Dwayne, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I, I got a budget. I'm earning a living. I'm controlling my spending. So we're going we're gonna to check that box. Everybody check that box. The next thing I'm going to talk about, talk to you about is not spending everything you make but saving some. Is that a good idea? Of course it is. You think Americans are great at this? Because they're not. In fact, listen to this. <coughs> it's gonna th I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this statistic, and it's going to take about Three and a half seconds for it to land. Americans spend, on average, 136% of their income. And you're like, well, why not? I got a, I got a, I got a savings account. Listen, if you've got $1,000 in saving and you're $10,000 in credit card debt, that's not saving. Okay, you with me? Okay, so, so we ought to save. In fact, Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. So this inside-the-box principle is you ought to save something. All right, everybody agree with that? Everybody good? All right, so let's check that box. The next one is investing. And maybe, and, and it doesn't matter what, what uh, financial planner you go to, they're going to talk to you about getting to the point where you can invest for your retirement, invest for whatever, and grow your wealth. And that's a, that's a great thought. Um, you think Americans are good at that? We are not. You know what we're good at? Buying new cars. <laughs> we're great at buying new cars. Okay, so again, if you're under 30, wait, wait let me see your hand. Okay, now you put it back down. You are not. <coughs> in, in your mind. Okay, let's see. If you're under 30, I just, I'm going to throw this at you, and this comes right out of Financial Peace University. The average car payment in America is $484 a month. And, and if some of you are like, that seems like a whole lot. Some of you are like, I wish mine was only $484 a month. So regardless, just the average car payment is $484 a month. And how many know you can now uh, mortgage a, a, ca a car because it takes you 12 years to pay for it? Um, let's just imagine you took that $484 at 25 and put it in a moderate mutual fund for 30 years. At the if you do that at 25, at 55, it's a little over 
$5 million. Hope you liked that car. So would, would you agree that investing is a good idea? Yes, of course it is. Are we great at it? No. So let's check that box. The, the next thing they're going to say, many of them, especially Christian financial planners, are going to say you need to give something away. And, and would you agree that that's a, good, that's a good thought, that's a good principle, to give something away? Um, Americans, on average, give just under 3% of their income to some cause, just under 3%. Does that seem good, bad to you? Was that seem about right, maybe? I don't know. So maybe the thought in your head is, well, Christians do a much better job than that. Christians, on average, give 3.8% of their income. So we're killing it there, aren't we? Just doing a, doing a great job. So here's the deal. Those five principles, earning, spending, saving, investing, giving, those five principles, those five what we're going to call inside-the-box principles, will put you on a path toward financial stability. They'll help you earn a living. They really, really will. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk about earning a living because I believe when we go outside of this box, we step from earning a living to building a life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I, I want to I go outside this box. There's this um, passage in Haggai. I, I, I just, just listen because this is going to resonate with some of you. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Listen, give careful thought. In other words, pay attention to your ways. Think about where you're walking. Think about your direction. Think about what you're doing. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. Listen to this. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Ever felt that way? I am working myself to death. Got nothing to show for it. Ever felt that way? That's a great feeling, isn't it? You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Pay careful thought to your ways. And I'm going to submit to you that there's a better way. There's a supernatural way. And it works for everybody. There we go. So the first Corinthians chapter one says it this way. Where's the wise person? In other words, show me your smart guy. Who's the smart guy? Who's the smartest guy in the room? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of the age? Where's the, who's the smartest guy in the room? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? It's like God was saying, as smart as you can be, I got a better way. I got a better way. So that first principle we talked about was earning a living, right? Earning a living. Everybody say earn a living. And, and it's a good principle. And you need to earn a living. You need to get a job. You need to work. That's, that's a biblical principle. But I want to talk to you about calling versus compensation. If the goal is to earn more, it's never going to be enough. Could it be, could it be that you're on this planet 
for more. Now listen, I, 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 I've already told you, I'm, you, you got to have a job. But I wonder, is, is that why we're here? It, just that Monday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those, those hours that we put in on our job, is that, is that the only reason that we're here? And I'm going to tell you no. I'm going to tell you that you have a calling. And there is nothing more fulfilling on this planet than doing what you know God has called you to do. That is outside the box. That is more than just showing up and going to work every day. It's finding out why you're here. We call it purpose. And we, we talked this year that that was going to be a big deal for us. It's helping you discover your purpose because you have one. You have a calling. And it may, it, it may not be in line with what you do for a living. Mm. We're going to help you pursue that. That's, we, that's, the, that's the main reason we started Growth Track. And we're in the middle now of refining growth track. Well, we're at the very beginning of refining growth track. And what growth track's all about is not just that's our membership class. That's not all that's it. That is. It's you find out about the history of the church. That the main reason for growth track is for you to go in there and let us help you take some spiritual gift tests and help you find out where you're at spiritually. And so you can find out where you may fit in in, in the kingdom of God and help you discover your call so you can chase it. I don't care if you're 8, 18, 58, or 88. God has a call for you. Let me say it like this. If, if all we're doing is, is working for the weekend, compensation without a calling is putting your money in a purse with holes in it. It just doesn't. Chris Hodges says it this way. I love this quote. He said, we don't just need money to live on. We need something to live for. What are you living for? Are, are you living to get up and go to work on Monday morning? Is that what you're living for? Now, yes, do you got to go to work on Monday morning? Absolutely. Is that what you're living for? I told you a few weeks ago... I, I stand on this stage, and I know I'm not the greatest preacher on the planet. I stand on this stage, and I'm, I, I feel like I'm doing what I was put on this planet to do. And there's no feeling like that. And it's not just me. Can I, I'm going to pick on a couple of y'all. <laughs> Travis came to me a few weeks ago, and he said, uh, I want to do something. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? I don't know, but I want to do something. And I said, uh, okay. He said, what can I do? I said, they always need help, you know, with the greeters and the ushers. They always need help. And he said, okay, who do I talk to? And I said, go talk to Zach. Go talk to Tim. Go, go talk to somebody. I don't, I don't yeah. And, and so he did, right then. He didn't wait till next Sunday. He went right then. And so I come in the next Sunday. He had his purple shirt on. Purple shirt. People walking in the door. I'm glad you're here. He's blinding. He, he's hugging all over everybody. I'm like, no, not supposed to do that. <laughs> But, but here's what I saw in his eyes. I, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm made for this. Yeah. You ought, to, you ought to show up real early one Sunday morning. You ought to come in here about 8.30 and, and watch as the, the praise team starts to drag themselves in. <laughs> y'all think we got these Keurigs all over the place for y'all. It's not. It's to keep them awake. 
and, and even behind their weary eyes coming in so early. You know what I see behind their eyes? It's what I was meant to do. I'm, I'm going to show up today. I'm going to lead others in worship, and I'm going I'm to do whatever I can do to help people experience God. <laughs> why, why else would they do that? <laughs> Rachel shows up here every Sunday, and she gets that iPad, and she reminds me of what I've forgotten to do for her. And she, every Sunday, she's faithful to making sure that you guys are able to see our worship service. Why? Because she likes iPads? No. Because she feels like this is what she's supposed to do. That's the difference between a job and a calling and a vocation. Cindy and Lori go over there and Bridget goes over there and deals with your children <laughs> on Sunday morning. Why? because they, they like wiping snotty noses and, and hearing about all the things going on at your home that you don't want, you know? <laughs> Is that what I'm saying? My wife's a kindergarten teacher. I know, I, know, I know it all. Right? Is that why? No. Cindy said it well. We're, we're fostering the Great Commission by discipling these little children. It's a calling, y'all. <laughs> Paul said it this way in the book of Acts. But my life is worth nothing to me. And oh, by the way, how many know Paul was not a full-time preacher? He was a tent maker. He had a job. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. If I can't do that, I've got no reason to be on this planet. Don't you want that? Don't you want that kind of conviction? Don't you want that kind of calling? Well, you've got to pursue it. Well, I'm just too busy. Just too busy. Are you? I'm going to tell you what I've learned. You, you make time for what's important to you. <laughs> Y'all are not going to like this. How many of you, and I, <laughs> oh, help me, Jesus, still have a job. Um. We're a bunch of whiny crybabies. <laughs> Listen to me. You're wealthy. You are wealthy. Can I prove it to you? Can I prove that you're wealthy? Because I can see it in your eyes. Some of you are looking back going, maybe somebody, but not me. <laughs> what do you think the average household income for the world is? Let's not just talk about, let's just not talk about, you know, Georgia, United States. For the world, the average household income for the world, just over $9,700 a year. For the world. Household, not individuals, household. Now, how many of some of them countries got 19 people living in that house? Average household income, $9,733. Now listen, if you make $33,500 a year, if you make $33,500 a, a year, you're in the top 5% of the richest people on the planet. And because we are now in the richest season, uh, you, that means you're in the top 5% of the richest people that have ever lived. There are 6.2 billion, if you make $33,500 a year, there are 6.2 billion people who are less wealthy than you on the planet right now. 
So here's what I don't want to do. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to tell me. This, this, is, this is what I'm saying to myself. If you would like to latch onto it, feel free. I don't want to tell God on judgment day. And I'm not sure this is how it's going to work, but here's what I don't want to say. Yeah, I, I know you, you put me in the richest country in the world amongst the richest people in the world, and you made me the top 5% of the richest people that ever walked the planet, but I didn't have time to pursue my call. That was, that was number one. <laughs> number two, we talked about budget and spending. That's inside the box. Outside the box is contentment versus consumerism. Let's see, I'm going to conduct a little experiment. Let's see if you know. <coughs> I always wanted to be a rock star, so let's see if this is. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it and that alone is what's gotten us in trouble. We can't wait till we can afford it, so I'm going to pull my plastic. We don't even have to swipe it anymore. We can tap it. Tappy, tap, tap. <laughs> yeah. Contentment is a fleeting value in our society. But can I tell you, it's a key to your happiness. It's a key to your joy. Here's what Jesus said. Beware. In other words, pay attention. In other words, take this warning. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Real life, real living has nothing to do with what you own. In fact, I, this has been 30 years ago, but it just, this, it's had such an impact on me. Some of the happiest children I've ever met in my life were, were not at a, a private Christian school down the road. That was, I mean, they're, they're great. Don't get me wrong. Here's where the happiest children I've ever met in my life. Don and I were traveling to the music ministry, and we went to Sevierville, Tennessee a couple times, maybe three or four times, to the Smoky Mountain Children's Home. And here's th these children are, are living in, in these row houses with staff parents, or maybe be 10, 12, or more living in the same house. They, they're not very well off, but they got a bed, and they got parents in that home that love them. They're not their parents, but they got house parents there that love them. They're getting three square meals a day. They don't have a lot of the stuff that your children and my children have grown up with. But here's, here's what blew me away. We'd sing during the Sunday morning service on the church, the, the church that met there on the campus of the Smoky Mountain Children's Home. And then we would sing at night, but in the middle, you know, me and, because it was 30 years ago, <laughs> me and the young guys would find these, you know, you know, these kids that lived there, and we'd play football, and we'd hang out, and we would just, you know, spend the afternoon. And they didn't have a lot of stuff. They had one football. I remember standing in the parking lot, and these kids were gathered around one skateboard taking turns on the one skateboard. There were like 11 of them taking turns with the one skateboard. And they were laughing and joyful and understood how blessed they were to be living where they were. <coughs> Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4, I know what it is to be in need. And you do. You've been there, haven't you? And I know what it is to have plenty. And you do. I've learned the secret of being content. 
in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this. How? Through him who gives me strength. So this is not in your notes, but I'm going to give you a couple of keys to contentment. The first one is to take an inventory. Take an inventory. Count your blessings because you're blessed. And here's where we're at. There's somebody in your world or somebody in your life that has a little more than you have. They got a nicer house. They got a nicer car. They got stuff that you don't have. And, and, and you're focusing on what you have versus what they have. And you're like, I want that. I want the house. I want the car. I want the life that they have. I want the bank account. I want the, the, the freedom to spend like they spend. I want, the, I want that. And that's your focus. Stop it. Because somebody's looking at you going, I want what they've got. I wish I had what they have. You don't, you've forgotten how blessed you are. God help us. Change. So take an inventory. Second thing I want you to do is change your perspective. If you make $50,000 a year, which used to be a lot of money. It really did. $50,000 used to be a lot of money. I remember thinking, if I ever could make, if I could ever make $20,000 a year, we'd never want for anything. <laughs> I remember thinking that. I was like, if I can just get, if I can just cross that bump. All right, so if you make $50,000 a year, listen to me. If you make $50,000 a year, that's five times the national global income. You're not just rich, you're wealthy. You're like, well, I, Dwayne, I don't make 50000 so you're not talking to me. Listen, that doesn't mean you're poor. That means you're just the least wealthy in the country club. <laughs> so stop. Contentment is taking inventory, change your perspective, and gratitude. Oh. This is where we've just fallen off the, the thank you for my home. I know it doesn't look like much uh, to, to some, you know, compared to some people, but there, there are people that would love to have what I have, so thank you. I know, I know my car's not running great, and, but it gets me back and forth, and so thank you, Lord. I, I, I'd really rather be at Ruth's Crisp tonight instead of Taco Bell, but thank you for Taco Bell. Perspective. Donna's usually not thankful for Taco Bell. If, if you're a Dave Ramsey fan, if you're a Dave Ramsey fan and, and you call his show, you're going to say, Dave, how you doing? He's got one phrase that he uses all the time, better than I deserve. Everyone in this room, everyone watching could say that we're doing better than we deserve. Frankly, what we deserve is death and hell. So if you're above that, you're blessed. Come on, somebody. If you're above that, you're blessed. Come on. All right, so let's talk about saving because we want to be financially secure, right? That's inside the box. Anybody want to be financially secure? You're scared to answer. <laughs> would you like to be financially secure? Of course you would, but don't do this. Don't be secure in your financial security. We're talking about the difference between being God-dependent and independent. If your security is in your finances, you, my friend, are in trouble. Yeah. 
Here's how Proverbs says it. Listen. This is Proverbs 18:11. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They ooh, ooh, look at this word. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. And can I tell you that's that's some people's idea of their of their finances. It doesn't matter what happens to the economy. I got it covered. Really. You imagine it's a wall too high to scale. And listen, saving is a good thing. Having a financial plan is a good thing. It's inside the box. Here's what's outside the box is the verse just above what I read. And it's not up there. So you're going to look at look, I mean, listen. It says the, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. So what's the outside the box fortified city? One verse ahead of that says the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Not imagine they're safe, but they are safe. I'm dependent not on my savings. I'm not dependent on my financial plan. I'm not dependent on my financial future. I'm running to the name of the Lord, and that's my strong tower of safety. I'm not telling you not to save. I'm just telling you don't let that be your security because just as easy as you put it in, it can get sucked out. And where are you then? It's, it's really about living a lifestyle of trust. I wonder, and some of you know this story, so I'm not going to retell it all, but I, I wonder if, if I would have went to Tim Johnson and uh, said, listen, I, I've, I've heard from the Lord about what your next 18 months look like. You heard his testimony about his, his recent illness. What some of you may or may not know is just a year before that, Tim's an independent contractor and fell slash jumped off a ladder <laughs> and, and destroyed both his feet. Couldn't work for a significant period of time. I wonder if I told him, you know, three weeks before that happened, man, you're going to have a really tough year. You're going to break both your, you know, break both your feet. You're going to deal with an illness and you're going to be out of work for a significant period of time. If you ask him today, you know what he's going to tell you? God was faithful. You know why? Because we don't put, I don't put my trust in my job. I don't put my trust in my money. The name of the Lord is my strong tower. So the fourth one was, uh, oh, no, 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 I got to, I, I can't wait. I, I know. I'm going to stop looking up there. I don't care. You've gotta, if you've got to go, go. Wow. He gets behind the pulpit and gets cocky. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 30 says, give me, neither give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, God. I might say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor your name. So give me what I need for today. Somebody really smart said, give us this day our daily bread. I'm not telling you not to save. I'm just telling you, hey, what, what's important is that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So number four, we talked about investing. That's inside the box. Outside the box, we're going to talk about stewardship versus ownership. I'm going to 
tell you something that's real profound. You've heard me say it over and over and over again, but I'm going to say it again. Listen to me. You don't own anything. God owns it all. Your job is to manage his resources. You with me? Your job is to manage his resources. Our job is to be a steward. That's what we call it, stewardship of our money, our possessions, our time, our gifts, our abilities. Let me ask you a question. Okay, let's say that you're a giver at LifePoint Community Church and you found out we were doing something unscrupulous with the money. Who would you hold accountable? You don't want to point at me, but you're thinking about it, aren't you? You know why? Because I'd be accountable. It'd be on me, right? How would you feel about that, by the way? How would you feel about putting money in, a, in, in ties and finding out that I had, you know, a, a lake house that I'd bought with your tithe money that I didn't tell anybody else about? How would you feel about that? You, you'd, be, you'd be like, either give me the keys <laughs> because I spent something in a way that you never intended me to spend. And I would be accountable. Are you starting to make this connection now? God's, God's passing through your hands a bunch of his resources. What are you doing with it? Are you being a good steward of your time, your talent, your treasure? Jesus said it this way, don't store up for yourselves a treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Y'all been wondering why I've got a golf club on. Because I, I believe that we all have balance in our life. You with me? All right, I'm not telling you by pursuing your calling and being a good steward of your time, talent, and treasure that that means you should become a monk and show up here, you know, 90 hours a week and, and pray and walk the carpet. That's not what I'm telling you to do, okay? I know you got to have a job, right? Right, you got to have a job. And some of you, this is a briefcase. This is what old people used to use <laughs> to carry their stuff to work. So you gotta, you got to have a job, right? Yeah, of course you do. And, and is there anything wrong with having a hobby? Is there anything wrong with enjoying this life? Of course not. Man, I got a, I got a pretty sweet golf swing. I do not, but <laughs> I have to pretend I do. So you, you, you need to have something in your life that you enjoy. You, you got a calling. You got a calling. And, and, and we get so consumed with Pursuing this or pursuing this, that this just gets buried. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to bless life, that's not how to get it. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Pursue your calling. I'm not telling you not to go to work. Of course not. Because if y'all stop going to work, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> right? I'm not telling you not to go to work. I'm not telling you not to have a hobby. I'm telling you to be a steward of the time, talent, and treasure that God has given you. 
Because that's, that's what really matters, y'all. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a hidden field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his joy, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. In other words, you, you got to find that thing that's worth more than anything else in your life. That doesn't mean you quit your job. It doesn't mean you never play golf again. That doesn't mean you, you it just means you put your life in perspective. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are added unto you it works here's the last thing number five we talked about giving you're like I knew he'd get there oh I knew he'd talk about tithes and offerings instead of let's get outside the box okay let's talk about generosity versus misery okay here's what I want you to do just in your eyes um, take uh, of that second word, that word misery, take the Y off and read it again. Yeah. If money and possessions and worldly wealth were the key to joy, all the rich people in the world would be the happiest people in the world. How many times do you hear about uh, a professional athlete it's miserable. Took his own life. You hear about celebrities that's taken their own life because they're they have everything this world offers and are miserable. I don't want that for you. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Himself said, Acts chapter twenty, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Do you? Do you? I want to come to your house on Christmas morning. <laughs> that word blessed, more blessed, it really means it's this beautiful Greek word. You know what it means? Blessed and happy. It means fun. Have you ever, have you ever given something to somebody that, that you really couldn't afford to give? And, and at the end of the day, you were like, that was God's way works. So I'm just going to tell you something. Your leadership team, we're meeting on March the 1st. And here's what this is. This year will be the most generous year that LifePoint Church has ever had. I really thought I'd get a better reaction than that. This year... I want us to give more this year than we've ever given. You, you do know that in order for us to be a generous church, it has to be filled with generous people. There we go. Here's what Timothy says. Paul said to Timothy. And these are pastoral letters. In other words, he said, teach your church this. Command them to do good. You know what? I don't have to do that because you're already doing good. Look at, the, look at the stuff in the back. You're already doing good. To be rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for next year. For a firm foundation for the coming age. 
what would you would you believe me if I told you when you give and you're generous that that there's this account in heaven that you've established? How cool is that? And not only that, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So I said all of this to say God's way works. God's way works. Donna, come and play something on this thing. Listen to me. Inside the box is intelligence. Inside the box is, is prudence. And inside the box is good. And, and you, need, you need those five things that I told you inside the box. We're going to talk about them more as we go the next four weeks. But you need those five things. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. You've got you to hear this. I've met people that had done all five and were doing them well. Earning, saving, giving, investing. Doing them all. And miserable. You know why? Because they weren't, they were earning a living, not building a lot. So maybe, maybe just one of those five areas today resonated with you. I'm going to give them to you again real quick. We, we talked about we talked about calling versus compensation. Maybe you, maybe you thought, I, I need to be more prudent to pursue a call than just worrying about what happens next payday. The second thing, we said contentment versus consumerism. Maybe you found yourself getting caught in the trap of, I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. I'm going to challenge you to to learn what Paul learned and be content. Maybe you found yourself feeling like you're pretty independent. You got your, you got your stuff squared away. I'm going to tell you not to, not to imagine your security, but to run to the name of the Lord who is a strong tower and be dependent on Him. We talked about stewardship versus ownership. Maybe you'd say, Dwayne, I've not been a great steward of my time, my talent, my treasure. And that's what really God has spoken to me maybe you just said, Dwayne, I'm just not a generous person, but I want to be. We're going to pray to that end today. I'm going to pray for you. So I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to look around. How how many would just agree with me and say, Dwayne, there's at least one of these five areas that I, I need to give careful attention to. I want you to put your hand in.
pray that you cause us all to be faithful to your word. And God, we've all said, many hands went up. There's, there's part of God's way that I got to work on. And, and God, my hand is up. There's part of it I got to work on. So God, I pray that just like Paul said, he learned to be content. And then he said, I can do these things through Christ who strengthens me. God, I, I declare that the cross and the work of Calvary strong enough to strengthen us and to lead and guide and direct us. And that the work of the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to help us and to, to, to take us down the right path that we're giving careful attention to this week. So I pray for the ones that have said, yes, I, I got some work in this area. And I pray for your grace to cover them. Help us all over these next few weeks to discover more about your way and let us be able to say with conviction and certainty that God's 